You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite. I'll be your host today, and I'm joined here with Brad Pierron yes, and Aaron Richards. Hey, if you're joining us again today, thank you. We love uh, sharing our faith with you and living our life with you. This is a show where we want to answer your questions about the faith and about missionary endeavors. And so whatever questions you have, please feel free to send them to us at beyond at damascus.net. And we'll take a question, and then we each give our two cents. We throw our two cents in this jar, we answer that question, and then we close by kind of uh, sharing how we can go on mission throughout the week. And so we will take your content Mm -hmm. or your Mm -hmm. questions and make them about mission. This is a show about uh, mission, but it is also on mission. So we have a mission partner who is generously donating $10 for every new subscriber we get this month to send a child to camp. So we have an amazing Catholic youth summer camp program here at Damascus. And if you just hit that silly subscribe button, you can help a young person who couldn't otherwise come to camp, come to Catholic Youth Summer Camp and encounter Jesus Christ. So, brothers, do you guys want to get started today for our show? Yeah, yeah, It's going to be good. Okay. The beautiful, charming, bearded Jack Parker. Mm. Could you please give us the question (laughs) of today? That's a lot of adjectives. That was awesome. (laughs) Uh, why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah. why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Sometimes I wonder, like, what is the tone of the person asking the question? Like, yeah. why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> why, why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? So I don't know the tone, but uh, well, who's got we the answer? Figure out the tone yeah. or I don't have okay, two I'm going to I'm gonna jump my two cents Oh, wow. Uh, that was weak. Oh, that was weak. All right. Yeah. Okay, Dan, help me out. Help, help me out. Sin. I'm going to uh, help you make sense. Is that what you said? Okay. <laughs> All right. My, my two cents is this. If, if we believe in Jesus, we should receive what he offers us. And if we believe in the church, we should receive what she offers us. If, if we value relationship with Jesus, we should value what he values. If we value relationship with the church, we should value what she values. And I look to, I, I look to the teachings of Jesus. Um, <laughs> you did. So, no, I do oh, in my I, life. I have Thanks. on occasion. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, but it's not, <laughs> not the first time I've addressed a question like this. Jesus, uh, Jesus in, in John's gospel, chapter 16, he says, uh, as, as he's speaking about the fact that he's going he's gonna to leave this world, John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, uh, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then when he comes, he will convince the world of sin and righteousness of judgment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if, if I, it is better that I go away so that the, so that the counselor will come to you. So it's, it's Jesus's desire, not, not just a backup plan. It's Jesus's expressed desire, even in the midst of his ministry, that his plan ultimately is that at the end of the day that we would receive the Holy Spirit. You see this echoed throughout, uh, throughout scriptures, all the way through the gospels and into Acts. And then uh, there's, there's just some great, 
there's some great, great examples of the church calling us to experience, particularly the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, Pope Francis, in one of my favorite quotes that, that he has, he says, uh, he, it, it, was at, it was at one of the uh, Pentecost celebrations. He looks to the audience that's gathered for mass and he says, um, I, I urge you to go and to share with all of the church the grace of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't get much more direct than that. And then for those who may have uh, have issue or concern with Pope Francis, I'd like to bring out the bulldog himself, Pope Benedict. Mm. You can't argue with the theology of Pope Benedict or else you're wrong. So, sorry. <laughs> the German shepherd coming at you. <laughs> and uh, Pope Benedict says, Christ's entire mission is summed up in this, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Uh, those, those are outrageous claims, friends, and, and spoken from, from the heart of the church, uh, from, from the lips of, of the Pope himself, right, that this is a value of the church, and it's a value of the Lord. It should be a value of ours as well. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I just love the way Pope Benedict says things sometimes <laughs> like the congregation of the doctrine of the faith was in such good hands under him. And I think it's also worth noting too. I, I think that sometimes I, and I love how you answer this, Aaron, cause it, it goes just into the depths of what the church has for us. But yeah. sometimes we can consider this like a, a novel topic or that like, this is something that the charismatic renewal is, is bringing into the church, Invented. but it's like, no, this has been, this has been consistent. And, and, Pope Benedict is is such a good example of that because after the after the council he's like no we can't go too we're not going to go too far like he his determination was to keep the church the church you know and for him to say what you just said is super important but what I was getting um out of that is like yeah why why do we on occasion I I I asked this to you too, I guess, but why do we on occasion have aspects of the faith that we're like, yep, I'll take that. But then there's an aspect that we're not as accustomed to. And our, our immediate, our immediate response is the distrust of what's being yeah. um, presented to us and not the, the surrender to what the church teaches. And yeah. I, I know was that it, was it John Paul who spoke about the cafeteria Catholicism or was that Benedict as well? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like with a shopping cart, like where you pick, I think it was John Paul the second. I think it yeah. was cause it was in the context of the, the, uh, moral relativism. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. the, um, the, the culture of death and the culture of moral relativism and I, it's, it's human nature. It's human nature, and it's a. I think it's it's evidence of the consumeristic culture that we live in. That we we believe it's just it's all fair game to pick and choose what it is that we'd like to believe. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful that, as you were saying, Brad, even in the midst of kind of the the transformation of of culture and the you know the evolution of of sensibilities in the world, that the Catholic Church has never has never uh, varied from that path. That in order to in order to say you're Catholic, in order to be to be confirmed as Catholic, you have to make that declaration that I believe and confess everything the Catholic Church believes and confesses. Mm -hmm. Period. End of story. Right. This this you don't have the option to pick and choose. We might try to convince ourselves that we do, but we're we're missing out. Yeah. Well, and as soon as it's brought up, like you you hear it from you hear it from the lips of the people that we find in scripture that he's going to come and baptize you with fire and the Holy spirit. Like John mm -hmm. the Baptist is letting us know like, Hey, there's someone that's coming and this is what they're going to do. And then the catechism reiterates it. And then yeah. Pope Benedict talks about it. It's like it, 
it just takes us. I, I don't I know. Think we have a great uh, chaplain here. His name's Father William, and he 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 talks. First time I met him, he was talking about the world, the the worldview, the modern worldview, and he's like, and if I would tell your missionaries if they think the modern worldview has not impacted their outlook on life, they are wrong. wrong. And I think a lot of times what we do is the two party system in America is such an ingrained part of us that we bring the two party system into the Catholic Church. So mm. we're like, there's charismatics and there's traditionals, and like huh. we just we've become two partied, and so instead of actually asking what does Jesus teach and what does the church teach and how do I learn what is being taught? We, we listen to the two camps and we're like, which camp do I agree with the most? It's like, what? No, the camps are, the camps <laughs> are both highlighting different aspects of the one true faith. Yeah. I, so I've been a little apologetical in my answer. I hope that one of you guys is ready to yeah, throw yeah, in some yeah, sense sure. about my two cents. My two cents. Okay. About the value here. So, um, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> Brad, you were saying this. It comes with baptism. Uh, of why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? It comes from Acts chapter one, right? When while meeting with them, uh, Jesus enjoined them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father about which you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so it, it's you can answer this question a few different ways. I think because um, for the most part we're talking, I think the person that's asking this is, a- is asking about the, the experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit, not the sacrament of baptism. So baptism of the Holy Spirit that's being used in the kind of the, the conversation of the church today mm. or conversation of spirituality today is different than I the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of confirmation. So we all received, we received baptism in water and baptism of the Holy Spirit in our baptism. We received the fullness of the gift of the Holy Spirit in our baptism. We received a strengthening of that baptismal grace in our confirmation. So all of the Holy Spirit has already been given to me. A lot of scholars would say, when we speak of this idea of, I can pray with Brad for baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we're speaking of is that the sacramental grace often can lie dormant. It's inactive. It's not, it hasn't been activated in our daily life. So I have the potential, but that potential hasn't been activated in my life and as a disciple. And so baptism of the Holy Spirit is it, why should you receive it? I would, I would venture to say, perhaps if you are living your life on fire and you're hungry for the more of God and you're, 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 you're wrestling with the truths of the faith and you're asking like, why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because you're generally wanting to grow in holiness. I, I would say chances are you've already, re- like you already are living life in the Holy Spirit and you're probably asking, how do I grow in a deeper life of the Holy Spirit? So I remember when I first found out about baptism, the Holy Spirit, someone was like, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? And I was like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, it's this time when someone prays with you and like you fall deeper in love with Jesus and you encounter God in a living way and you want to live your life for the Lord completely. And then the gifts of the Holy Spirit become alive in you. And I'm like, Oh yeah, all of that happened. Like I didn't know the word, the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I knew the moment when the Holy Spirit erupted in my life and I gave everything to him, right? And so I think sometimes this phrase can confuse us. What is baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why should you be baptism of the Holy Spirit? When we say when encounter meets mission, that's baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I encounter the power of God and and sometimes 
it's in a dramatic setting and sometimes it's very intimate and peaceful. So why encounter, why have baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, from, for my understanding, baptism of the Holy Spirit is a tangible experience of the Father's love. So do you want a tangible experience of the Father's love? Whether that is powerful or peaceful, I would say you do. And so that's why you should receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. What else is baptism of the Holy Spirit? That tangible experience of the Father's love allows me to make Jesus Lord of my life. He's greater than anything else, which allows me to want to pray. It allows me to want to renounce my sin and, and, and change my life for him. It allows me to, to love scripture. Jesus becomes Lord, and I surrender everything unto his lordship. So that's why you should... And then the beautiful thing about baptism of the Holy Spirit is baptism of the Holy Spirit unlocks the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so it allows the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are dormant in my life to be unlocked. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are amazing. They're not all just speaking in tongues. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are being able to pray with others and love others and care for others, to have the wisdom of God, the knowledge of salvation. These things are just so incredible. The courage to overcome our sin, the, the right judgment to know how to live our faith in our modern day culture. So why should you receive it? Because you want the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And mm -hmm. if you want living relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whoo, like, God, give that to me. Yeah, that's so good. I, I think there's a um, there's an interesting just um, what am I trying to say? There's an interesting path to what you're talking about, Dan, in the sense that like, so we recognize all three of us and the church that when we're baptized in water, that the Holy Spirit brings us into salvation. Like baptism is a, is a key sacrament. And then the question I think sometimes is why baptism in the Holy Spirit after that, right? Yeah. So if I received all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if I, if people spoke on my behalf that, you know, or, or maybe I spoke it depending on when you were baptized, that I believe in the father and in the son and in Jesus's Lordship. I, I think that what's, What's fun to, at least in my mind to think about is, but we, ne we never question confirmation, you confirming that promise, right? And then the Holy Spirit becoming even more alive. And similar, baptism of the Holy Spirit stirs up those graces more too. So like, I think that it's, it's, it's easy for us as Catholics to, um, to see how sacraments build on one another, yeah. but it's not always as easy for us to see how some of the promises Jesus has made builds on the sacraments that have already been available to us. Does that make sense? So like if I'm baptized as a baby, I have confirmation later and I confirm what happened at baptism mm -hmm. and then something efficacious happens. Like the gifts of the spirit are stirred up in me in a different way. Also, Jesus makes promises that over the course of my life, if I attend to those, they go back to those sacramental graces and amplify them yeah. and bring them deeper into my life. And anyway, I think that's an interesting path to look at. If it's, if someone's listening and you really are struggling with like, Hey, like I love the church and I love the sacraments and baptism of the Holy Spirit sounds to me just to be like, like, I, I like, okay, Brad, John the Baptist, when he said that he's going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit, did that just mean that when John the Baptist was baptizing people, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit? That was just for repentance. And now when they're baptized, they do receive the Holy Spirit because Jesus did that. Like you can have people that run those, but we're talking something that builds on all of that foundation, right? There's a theologian. I think, I think it was Father Francis Kelly. He said on, on the, on the matter of whether or not baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place within the soul when they were baptized sacramentally or when they were prayed with by another in a moment of prayer. My answer to that is, it doesn't matter. What matters is that it happens. Yeah. What matters is that it happens. So we're speaking of this reality Good. that when the faith comes alive, 
And we, we know by experience, sometimes that happens at the moment of a person's confirmation or the moment of a person's baptism. But in our modern context, a lot of times it doesn't. There's mm-hmm. a moment where, when a lot of times, like, there's a moment in your life where everything changes. That's what we're calling baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's what's important. And because, like, because it's not for us to know times and seasons. Yeah. That, like, Jesus says the Father is the one who knows times and seasons. So the, the Holy Spirit, like the Trinity, I was going to say they, but, like, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like, the God knows when it's it's time for us to, like, like because he just knows us. Yeah. So he knows when we're open to it. He knows. What were you going to say, Aaron? Sorry. I'm nice mustache. Over I forgot again. to compliment The mustache. That. Yeah. I know. I've I actually been rolling with it for a little bit. And I saw this man with a mustache. I was like, who is I know, that? man. Like, well, it's because I uh, have been doing some men's ministry recently. I thought it would make me relevant. I'm not sure that that's nice. actually Brad, happening. I, I, I was going to say something valuable, Surface but I level. thought I would I would Relevance? hold so you can toss your two cents. Oh, in. Aaron, I like when you <laughs> remind me how the rhythm of the show actually goes because sometimes I get too excited. But um, yeah, I, I can go for sure. So um, the question, why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm going to go a little uh, different route, but I think it builds on what you guys are saying. Um, you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit because being immersed in the Holy Spirit immerses us in the life of God. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal of the Christian life. So when we when we look at the word baptism, it means immersion. It means immersed within. So um, the idea of baptism is a sacrament. We're immersed in the waters and we're immersed into the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, right? Um, baptism in the Holy Spirit, similarly, is an immersion within within the life of grace immediately in front of me contained in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so being immersed in the Holy Spirit is not only that which brings me into the life of God, and as if that that only would even matter there, but it it, it forms me temporally into the saint that I was made to be. It helps me experience the, the, the life that God has for me in a new way, right? It opens me, I think you were saying that well, Dan, to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, amplifies the gifts that I've already seen in my life and brings me into gifts I, I hadn't been operating into or in and through previously. And um, I also I also think that, um, well, let me, I, the catechism says this. It says, as fire turns into itself everything it touches, so too does the Holy Spirit turn into the divine life, everything subject to its power, mm. to his power. Say it again. So mm. as, as fire turns into itself everything it touches, so too does the Holy Spirit turn into the divine life, everything subject to his power. And, uh, and th- I might be a little off, but it's, it's, it's pretty mu- it's almost verbatim that, and, uh, oh, it's in the two thousands, <laughs> but, um, I, I think that like that, when I first read that, it excited me so much because it was like, that's what we want. It, when you've encountered mm-hmm. Jesus and when you've been pursuing holiness, you're like, I just want to be like him. And when you see that the Holy spirit is he who makes us like Jesus, right? Like from heaven to earth, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and from earth back to heaven, Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus who brings us back to the Father, then immerse me in that. I want to be immersed in that. And I, I want that to happen in a moment so that I can live the rest of my life from that moment. And I also want it to happen regularly that, Lord, immerse me in your Holy Spirit this morning, this afternoon, this evening, immerse me today, immerse me in this month of my life, this year of my life. So yeah, my answer to this would be, why be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because 
because you should be aiming at divinization because you should want to be a saint. And in order to be a saint, we have to be immersed into the life of God. And the best way to be immersed into the life of God is to be baptized love in the Holy Spirit. That. I love that. I, I, it, another word for baptism instead of immersed is drenched. And yeah. like you're using the, I, I just love in prayer, praying that I would be drenched by God. And then if the <laughs> fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 is peace, love, joy, gentleness, generosity, patience, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control, like mm-hmm. I, if baptism of the Holy Spirit is being drenched in all of that, like, dude, drench me, immerse me in peace, yeah. love, joy, faithfulness, general. Like, I just like... God, that my life may be drenched in that so that that's what's dripping off of yeah. me. And so until that's what's dripping off of me, it's not that I just need baptism or I hunger for baptism of the Holy Spirit once. Every moment I go to prayer should be me hungering for that so that I am drenched, I'm dripping, that that's the water that pours off of me mm-hmm. is him. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah. Please enlighten <laughs> us with the wisdom no, I love of Aaron. It. Just a, a quick... Uh, I'm I'm trying to maintain faithfulness to the integrity of the show, guys. I feel like this <laughs> I feel like this would qualify as another two cents. But oh, okay, you have too many. I'll, ideas. I'll say it because no, you please, asked. yeah. <laughs> um, in the in the sacramental context that we're raised, I think that sometimes because of the stability of the sacramental nature of of the church, that we tend to become suspicious of anything that that would sound like it's outside of that mm-hmm. or might be valid or helpful to us. That's not that. And it's it's good for us to remind ourselves even in scripture that there's there's a beautiful, very clear example of this in the Acts of the Apostles that immediately after Pentecost, within within days of Pentecost, uh, Pentecost, of course, being the fulfillment of the coming of the Holy Spirit. You can't get mm-hmm. any better than this, mm-hmm. that the church actually goes back. They've they've gone into mission, they've they've uh, they've met some challenges and some difficulties, mm-hmm. and they come back and they pray again that the Holy Spirit would fill them. And there's almost this like second experience of yeah. Pentecost that happens in Acts 4. and With all boldness. They add all. Like it, it's as if like, hey, hey, more of that thing. So it's just an encouragement to us that, that God, mm-hmm. works, God works in the sacraments of the church. And if, if you've been baptized and confirmed, amen, you've got what, it, you've got what you need. Yeah. And there's more. Yeah, let me entertain that for a second too. Because I think there, there is a beauty in the Catholic church that salvation is guaranteed to us through the graces of the sacraments. Like, thank you, Jesus, that you've been so merciful to give us those. And I want to be a salvation bringer in the world. I want to collaborate with him in his salvific efforts. Like, I think that that's that's the moment that changed my life is when I wanted to get in the game and I knew I couldn't do it by myself. And so I knew that through the sacraments, those graces were available to me and salvation would, would come if I would be faithful to that and, and surrender to it. And thank you, Jesus, for that. And I wanted to say, bring that grace alive in me so that when people encounter me, they encounter these graces and want them for themselves, right? And baptism of the Holy Spirit is that which kind of, I think, amplified that fervor and then gave me just the the gifts needed, the divine life needed to, uh, to, you, to really do that in a new way. Do you know what baptism of the Holy Spirit enables the Christian to do? Go on mission. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, 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 perhaps the greatest fruit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mission. Yeah. Right? Pentecost, it resulted in the greatest missionary endeavor of the world. And so <laughs> yeah. well, let's step into a mission momentum. Did you guys yeah. like that transition? I did. It was Such strong. It was strong. Very good. Jack, Very good. take note. Uh, so mission momentum. <laughs> what is our mission momentum this week? How are we going to take this message into our week and do something about it? 
I like it. I don't know if I have one just yet. Oh. You? No, I, I got I got one for us. I'll get started. Um, pray with somebody. Pray with somebody that they might encounter the Holy Spirit. And if if you're not comfortable with praying with somebody, I would even offer you this: use the name of the Holy Spirit more intentionally in prayer. Foster that relationship with Him so you can become uh, more dependent on Him and desire Him more in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one. I think um, we we have routines of prayer, like as, as Christians. So it, maybe it's before meals, maybe it's right before you go to bed, maybe it's in the morning you pray a certain thing, maybe it's on your ride to work, and, and whatever your rhythm of prayer is, I, I just want to encourage us to add three words at the beginning of every prayer thing we do, and that's "Come Holy Spirit," and just and just sit there for a minute, pray, come Holy Spirit, sit, and then go into whatever prayer. So, so if it's, uh, the bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, right. Or, um, before I go to sleep, O Lord, like whatever prayer you're praying, just take a minute to ground yourself in that. Like, actually, Holy Spirit, I want you to be with me. Like, I don't want these, these, these prayers to be empty, but I, I want it to be an, a moment of encounter so that I can live my life on mission. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I My mystery momentum is going to be to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't need someone to pray for you for that. It is the Father uh, through the Son uh, and with the Holy Spirit that baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. so that it is, it is a grace from God. And for me, I received baptism in the Holy Spirit, what I would say was my first experience uh, at daily mass while receiving the Holy Eucharist. I've heard people from listening to our show uh, in the past, like they they would pray in their bedroom, get on their knees after listening to our show, they would get on their knees in mm. their bedroom and, and, and just say, Jesus, I want more. Jesus, I want more. And if you want what's in the Acts of the Apostles and you start praying for that and you start crying out for that, Holy Spirit comes with a flood. I've heard stay-at-home moms that are doing the dishes during the day, listening to the show. They cry out, Jesus, I want more. A woman said she prayed this prayer while doing the dishes. Holy Spirit came and hit her. She fell to her knees and started praying in tongues, and she didn't have the gift of tongues prior to that. That there are there are moments in our life where God wants to invade you mm-hmm. with his presence, his power, and his love. So if you're hungry for more of God, if you're hungry for Acts chapter chapter two or Acts chapter four or Acts chapter 2023, get on your knees and just say, Jesus, I want more. Mm-hmm. I want more. I want more. So um, we thank you so much for listening to this show. We do this show because we want more for you. We don't want cultural complacent Christianity. And we're sick of a church that sits on their butts and aren't on mission. So if mm-hmm. you want to be a church that's on mission, then get up and have some momentum behind your mission. We're praying for you. And we want you to use this show to be a missionary show as well. So if you mm-hmm. have people in your life who maybe are complacent, maybe you'll sh- share this episode with them, get them hungry. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, be a missionary and start praying with others. Like, let's get this done, people, because God wants to bring heaven to earth. That is his deepest desire. Um, I'm Dan. This is Brad. This is Aaron. We'll see you next month. We just want to remind you that mission mission makes makes sense. God bless. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's episode on www.ewtn.com forward slash radio forward slash podcasts or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We will be right back after a short commercial break. 
This is Father Lawrence Liu. Catholic Radio is a precious gift because it places a Catholic voice in your homes, in your cars, wherever you might be. St. Dominic would pray as he walked and as he traveled throughout the length and breadth of Europe. Now, as we travel and wherever we go, Catholic Radio can help us to keep our minds focused on the things of God. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. EWTN News presents the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast from Washington, D.C. Get complete coverage as we dedicate another year to our Blessed Mother and honor faithful Catholics who stand apart in their witness. Join leaders from across the United States in prayer for our country, our church, and for one another. The National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN-TV. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. Human beings are God's greatest masterpiece. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God. But every saint, that is every person who accepts God's invitation, his upward call to make them holy. And so every story presents us with a unique masterpiece that God is writing. The Journey Home, Monday night, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. Hey friends, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm Brad Pierron, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And I'm joined in the studio with my friends and brothers in Christ, Mr. Dan Dimite and Mr. Aaron Richards. Hey Brad. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm living the dream today. The best day. Amen. The best day right now. Um, It's exciting to be with you guys. If you're here with us for the first time, this is the show where encounter meets mission. Ultimately, what we mean by that is that every encounter we have with Jesus should lead us to mission with Jesus. And so we discuss on every episode a question that comes from you, our listeners and our viewers, so that we can like wrestle with what the answer to that might be and then propel us on mission during our mission momentum at the end of the episode. And uh, I'm excited for uh, today and for the question that we have. So we're going to throw it over to you, Jack. What is the question of the week? The question of the week, Brad, is why do people think Catholics worship Mary? Why do people Ooh. think Catholics worship? It's a, it's, a, it's a spicy one. Is this is this a direct response to some of the comments we've had the last few weeks? That's yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> there's been a little back and forth in the comment section, okay. which you should do on this episode. And before I go ahead and throw my two cents in, subscribe if you haven't already <laughs> here to Beyond Damascus. My two well, cents. I'm glad you're going first. I'm going to yeah. do some research while you talk. Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah, a little off kilter, but no. Um, my two cents. So why do people think that Catholics worship Mary? I would answer it this way, because if we merely define 
worship as reverence, we do worship Mary. Okay. And um, and I think that like like what happens so this often, is not no, helping the I, cause, it's, it's Brad. Helping, it's helping. No, what, what, yeah, they're gonna like clip that yeah, out. That is gonna be this like is, no, this is gonna go viral. Behind the mask Catholics says that do Catholics worship. do in fact. Well, that's the short here, for today. But here's the thing: is like a lot of the apologetic <laughs> arguments that we have, it just comes down to semantics. A lot of times we're just using words that mean different things. So mm -hmm. oftentimes, like when we ask this question, I would bet that the listener's thinking it's a bad thing that people think that Catholics worship Mary because worship is only unto God alone. But that depends on how we're defining the word worship, right? Like, yes, there is a sense of the word worship that should be for God alone. And, and actually it goes back like, when we look at the Latin, when we look at the history of the church, we've used different words for reverence and for veneration over time. A veneration just re really being the reverence of a person, right? Like revering a person. And the, the words for reverence and veneration uh, break down fundamentally into two. One is latria and one is dulia. And latria is a certain type of reverence, a certain type of veneration that is high worship and it's unto God alone. So if you were to say that you latria anything but God, that would be blasphemous because God alone is worthy of that sort of worship. I'm sorry, my immature brain is like latria. But no, seriously, it matters because we're going to begin getting into arguments that actually don't matter if we don't like yeah. get words right. Right. Like the same about praise. Exactly. Like, yeah, we praise no. Jesus only. Precisely. I praise people all the time. Well, yeah. And if I, I'm, I'm going to get back into the Mary side, but we even do this with like, when we call praise and worship worship. And when we call the mass, the high form of worship, like we're, we're just, we're, we're using it to say unto God, mm -hmm. like, Glory unto God. And, and the highest glory unto God is the offering of Jesus Christ to the Father. That happens at the Mass. All of the worship outside of the Mass leads to the offering of Jesus to the Father. We know that. But we're just using words, and we get in these arguments all the time. But on the other side of Latria is Dulia. And Dulia is a reverence or a veneration that comes to people who have lived lives that we want to emulate. Look at Paul when he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's an invitation to reverence a way of life that he's living, right? A saintly way of life. And, and when we look at the saints who have passed on to glory, that's when dulia is appropriate. It's when, oh my goodness, the life you lived was unto the Lord. And I want to live like that too. Yeah. Man, I honor that. In the same way that I honor you guys for gifts in your life, we honor them for their walks with the Lord. And, and then there's a little distinction where we will say that because of the supreme grace that God gave to Mary, unmerited by her, coming from the, the graces that came from Calvary and the crucifixion of Jesus, the Immaculate Conception, that, that Mary is, is reverenced in a particular way because she was kept free from sin, right? And, and that is not to the level of the divine, but we, we go off of Dulia and say hyperdulia, just meaning that she's, extra she is extra special <laughs> in the way that she accompanied the Lord, in, in the way that she carried the Lord, in the way that she brought the Lord into the world, literally. So I, again, like I, I want to come back to the question, why do people think that Catholics worship Mary? They think that because they have a particular um, a particular way of understanding worship where if that is the case, it's blasphemous.
But what I would say is, no, let's, let's simply go to those words and see that there is a worship due to God alone because God is he from whom all grace flows, all blessing flows, all glory flows. And he flows because he likes to collaborate those graces through his people in specific ways. That's the story of the saints. That's the story of the saints now yeah. and the saints that have gone on. Yeah. And so they're due a reverence. They're due a, uh, yeah, just like a, a, a veneration that's not equal to that due to the divine, but is due to those who have lived lives that we want to emulate. That would be my two cents. That's a really good answer to that question. Well done, Brad. Yeah, I'm going to give you a thanks, round of applause. Thanks, thanks, that was thanks. impressive. Uh, I, I, I would, to simplify, I think it, it, it just, that's because that's what humans do. Yeah. Like when I love someone, is I show them honor. Sense, no, I'm no, just, I'm just like, for, like, yeah, it is. It's, it's what humans like. I want, I want you guys to be nice to my mom because she's my mom. And if you care about me, you're going to be mm -hmm. like, you're going to care about my mom. And I think there's, mm -hmm. there's something so like, of, we just honor people yeah. and uh, who deserve mm -hmm. honor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also funny. Like, I wonder what you think about this, Aaron, but Jesus even like he shows us even in his fullness of humanity and fullness of divinity, like he humbles himself to like, he honors those around him. Like I'm thinking about his tears outside of the tomb of Lazarus mm -hmm. where it's like Lazarus lived a life that was like, there's an honor being showed there, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's a reverence being shown to, to the life of Lazarus. But also, um, I mean, we revere Mary because Jesus did. Yeah. Right. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking the wedding feast of Cana, like it's not my hour. And, and Jesus is like, Hey, I, I kind of know how this thing's yeah. supposed to unfold. And, <laughs> and Mary's just like, so faithful to him. So honoring of who he is that she says, do whatever he tells you. And then Jesus being so honoring to Mary says, Oh, the way that, the way that you love me, I honor mm. that and mm. watch what I do now. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, sayings on that topic is that you, you can never love Mary more than Jesus loves Mary. <laughs> yeah. That's a mic drop moment, so, right? <laughs> yeah. That's you, true. If you want to be like Jesus. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to throw my two cents, oh, okay. actually. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, Erica challenged me to flip two at the same time. I'm thinking time. backboard, too. If it... <laughs> oh. <laughs> you didn't even... It was, yeah. that was actually... It was a reason. Was I got to practice attempt. it. Got to practice it. Okay. So I think the reason that uh, people question Catholics' devotion to Mary mm -hmm. is because they've got baggage because someone told them to. Mm-hmm. Right, that, that that people haven't actually thought through it, but somebody feels that because I belong to a certain denomination or because I believe some a certain way, that uh, that therefore this other group must be wrong. And uh, I, one of my one of my favorite uh, ways to answer this specific concern is to go to the teaching of the late great father of the Protestant Reformation himself. Mm -hmm. So Martin Luther speaks in overwhelming love and devotion of the blessed virgin. So if anybody ever thinks that, yeah, in order to be Protestant, I have to, uh, I have to reject the Catholic perspective on our lady. Uh, let me, let me quote. <laughs> this is probably the first and last I time this will that. ever happen. I love that you researched that too. While I was Well, here. so no, I mean, just, just look it up. If you look up sure. Martin Luther on Mary and, yeah. uh, and there's, there's tons of sites that'll, mm. that'll come up to this effect. I heard this in a talk a couple, couple weeks ago. Mm. Okay, the, the veneration of Mary is inscribed in the very depths of the human heart. That's Martin Luther. 
Mary is the highest woman and the noblest gem in Christianity after Christ. She is nobility, wisdom, and holiness personified. You can never honor her enough. Uh, he, he prays he, in a prayer uh, directed to Mary. No woman is like you. You are more than Eve or Sarah, blessed of all, above all nobility, wisdom, and sanctity. Um, you are praised. I'm sorry. Mary praised God for his deeds. How then can we praise her? Mm-hmm. The true honor of Mary is the honor of God, the praise of God's grace. Um, Mary is nothing for the sake of herself, but for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mary does not wish that we come to her, but through her to God. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's so <laughs> great. Well, it just reminds me of, uh, I went to, um, I went to Italy a, a couple years ago with Nina. And yeah. when we went to Italy, I was standing in the Sistine Chapel and you're just blown away. You know, you're just, when you're, when you first kind of look at it, just how beautiful and perfect it looks. And I was laughing when we came out because Mary was actually brought to my mind. And I was thinking to myself, like if Michelangelo was here and I was saying how beautiful the Sistine Chapel was, he wouldn't be like, but what about me? You know, like he wouldn't be like, guys, like I'm the artist. Come on. Why are you looking at the Sistine Chapel? Look at me. And it's like, no, because (laughs) That doesn't make sense because Michelangelo poured his love into that. So that we would see it. So we would see it. Exactly. And it really did. Like it sparked some, I remember like, cause we were about to go to Mary major, one of the four basilicas there, um, major basilicas there in, um, in Rome. And on our way there, I'm just thinking through the Sistine chapel at St. Peter's like, Oh wow. Like, yeah, that, (laughs) <laughs> that yeah. makes so much sense. So let me, let me set up, question your assumptions, right? Mm-hmm. If you've ever been told that Catholics worship Mary, if you've ever engaged in the comments in a negative way, accusing Catholics of worshiping Mary, ask a Catholic, Yeah, like dig down, try to find the reality. Um, if you heard this from your church, if you heard this from your grandpa, right? It, it just may, it may be inaccurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's, uh, ask a cat, like I, if you ask, any cat, even if they're not like a, a, a theologian or a like, even if they don't go to mass every Sunday, hey, do you worship Mary? No, they're like, no, <laughs> no, no. Like, yeah. there, there's nothing, there, no Catholic thinks they worship Mary. Like, they, we understand that God is God alone. <laughs> or there's, there's no part of us that is like thinking that. And that's, I, I think that's it's so silly because there's this, it's been this propaganda. Um, lie that's been disseminated just to yeah. to steal people from the faith, which yeah. is is silly. Which I'm almost going to contradict wait, myself. Wait, wait, before you, do that, two before cents. you yeah. do that, that can be insulting, even though, right? Because it, what it says is, "Hey, even though you think you're not doing it, you are doing it." Yeah. And I just want you to know that all of you are wrong. Yeah. And it's like, wait, but that seems you're right, and all of those that you would talk to that say they're believing this thing are wrong. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. My yeah, heart yeah, is directed yeah, towards you worship. Know my towards heart more than right. I do. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I will say for the record, I have never gotten one in and then out. Yes, I have. I'm, I'm ultimately. Okay. So, um, how to articulate what I'm thinking. So I think first of all, some, uh, most of the time when we ask questions like this, why do people think that, uh, Catholics worship Mary. I think a lot of times we get on the defensive right mm-hmm. away and we think that Protestants are people of bad will as opposed to people of goodwill. So mm-hmm. like our Protestant brothers and sisters, they are people of goodwill. They love Jesus. They, they, they love us as, and they want salvation for man. And so 
their intentions are good. And so if we look at it from an intention, like that their intentions are good and they're not out to like destroy mm. us, then why do they think we worship her? It, it may be because sometimes the things we do cause them to think that we worship her. Yeah. Um, so there's orthodoxy and there's orthopraxy, right? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. sound, orthodoxy is sound teaching. And our teaching around Our Lady is sound, right? It's it's orthodox, it's good. There's orthopraxy, and orthopraxy is sound practice. Uh, and, and sometimes the practice of our Marian devotion may um, not look to others as something that is a veneration, mm-hmm. but it may look like more like superstition or worship. And you could think of entire people groups and entire cultures that maybe their Marian devotion, which mm. our Marian teaching is orthodox and sound, but their Marian devotion takes on something that looks a little bit more like superstition and not uh, veneration. And so our own practices in different cultures, our own lack of catechesis around Marian devotion has led to people questioning where our heart is. And so I think we do give Mary a lot of attention. In orthodoxy, I think, yes, we should give her a lot of attention. And if you haven't researched Marian devotion and the power of Marian devotion and the beauty of Marian devotion, you absolutely should because there's so much power that comes from a sound, healthy devotion to Our Lady. But I think sometimes Catholics they talk about Mary so much and they forget to talk about Jesus. And so, yes, does, does Michelangelo get excited when we're talking how beautiful the Sistine Chapel is? Yes. But it would be nice to look to Michelangelo as well and say, Hey, you did an amazing job, you know, like, and, and, and so sometimes our Catholic practice can be, has been maybe the last 200 years. uh, um, We haven't been Jesus centered enough. And to, to give evidence of this, the last 50 years, our popes have been really challenging us, John Paul II especially, to become more Christocentric in our catechesis, meaning to make Jesus the center of everything we do in catechesis. Because from the time of the Reformation on, our catechesis wasn't super Jesus-centered. And so our Protestant brothers and sisters who are people of goodwill are saying, listen, the way you pray sometimes, the way you evangelize sometimes, the way you talk sometimes, it isn't Jesus-centered enough. And perhaps instead of us saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, our orthodoxy is right, maybe you can say maybe our practices have been a little inappropriate, and maybe some cultures have gotten it a little wrong, and we can improve. And as Catholics, let's not be so like truth, truth, truth all the time and simply say, yeah, Like we get it wrong sometimes and our catechesis has been inappropriate, which has led to bad devotion. And we were trying to get better. Mm -hmm. And as Catholics, let's, let's hunger to, to give Jesus and make Jesus's name, like the source and summit of what, who we are to talk about Jesus more, to love Jesus more. And when we're evangelizing Protestants or, or when we're starting to evangelize, like make Jesus and his salvation to man the 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 center part of evangelization. I, I know that 
there are a lot of evangelization movements that are that use miraculous medals or um, Marian uh, devotion as their primary means of evangelization. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but if when I'm doing that, that primary use of the miraculous medal doesn't incorporate the name of Jesus or the salvation we receive from Jesus, then I need to check the way I'm evangelizing because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So if people think that we worship Mary, it may be because we didn't use Jesus' name enough. And and let's just do that better to heal this division between Protestants and Catholics. Because Brad, as you pointed out, Aaron, as you pointed out, the division is stupid. So let's improve ourselves, take the plank out of our own eye before we start yelling about the splinter and others. Love it. I do too. Yeah, I also love, I, I love that you gave the flip side of the coin too, because I do think that there's times when we simply want to put the responsibility on the other person to get their perspective right. Yeah. Instead of to put the responsibility on us to to do something that might encourage them to think differently, right? Because here's the thing is like, I, I love this concept. Whenever, whenever we're presented a challenge about ourselves, if we always presume that it's just the other person's perspective being off, that's never in our control. But the moment I say, well, actually there could be something I could do a little better. That's the moment it becomes mine again. Like I can actually get better from there. I don't have to be hopeless. There's, there's steps that can happen. I remember we were doing an event when we first bought the mat, like this property mm -hmm. and we were opening our building up there and the building wasn't even finished yet. It was still under construction. We had this event and some neighbors came and a, a neighbor came and she was a fallen away Catholic. And, and I forget, I, I was speaking. And at, when I was done speaking, she came up to me. She said, I've never heard a, a Catholic preach the gospel. And clearly she had heard Catholics in her Catholic upbringing preach the gospel. But in her perception, she had never heard a Catholic preach salvation through Jesus Christ. And and so I could say, well, like, well, you're wrong. You weren't paying attention enough at mass. You weren't like clear. <laughs> Or I could say, like, that's sad that your perception is that Catholics don't preach the gospel. Like, that is sad. And I'm glad that my Catholic witness was able to heal that perception. Exactly. Life. Yeah. Because, again, that's something that, that we can do. What do you think about it? I love, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love you, Aaron. I, I, I was like, I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm like. Just grin from ear to ear. Um, over here. Yeah. I'm trying to get my, my thoughts completely around it because I think we, um, we, we risk more by presuming malintent than good intent. Yeah. yeah. And we do this all of the time when someone challenges our presuppositions. They challenge a presupposition we have. And because we're so attached to it, we want to immediately attribute the most dismissible thing to the person, which is, well, they, their lens is totally off. They have malintent. They, but, but dialogue like requires me to hear the perspective they're having towards a, tr a true thing and the perspective I'm having towards the true thing and then coming into where the true thing actually lies. Right. And, um, and I, I, I really like, again, that the two sides of the coin suggest that, yeah, if, if you're a Protestant listening in today, know that we as Catholics actively teach what was laid out in this episode, that there is a worship due to God alone. And then there's veneration and reverence that we give to those who have lived great lives because we want to live great lives. And what's the hallmark of a great life? The gospel alive in you. That's the hallmark of a great life. Yeah. And if you're a Catholic listening today, then 
know that that's what we teach and that's what we should witness to the world is that we believe the gospel fully alive is the epitome of a good life. Amen. You know, um, great. Let's move um, to our more action-oriented portion of uh, the show, Mission Momentum. So when you think about the conversation we've had today around yeah. Mary and around, yeah, just all of the amazing topics that have come up, what is something that our listeners can take with them this week to put it into motion? I'll jump in first. Yeah. Uh, I was reflecting on the power of testimony. So for my challenge for Mission Momentum this week, it would be to instead of assuming or for better or worse to ask somebody who you perceive as uh, being a faithful Catholic, what their experience of Mary has been. How did Mary touch their life? How did Mary transform their life? And just to adopt that, uh, that, that prayer, as you hear testimony, God, that what, what you've done in this person's life, would you do it in mine? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I think a great mission momentum would be to, um, to, to, to do something ecumenical this week. So that me- meaning, um, relate with a Protestant brother and sister as a Catholic in a way that brings unity as opposed to division. And so just ask yourself, okay, who are the, the Protestants I know in my everyday life and what could I do that would, <clears throat> would be um, would, would foster unity as opposed to division. And so maybe that's asking them to read scripture together, uh, or, or just asking them to pray together, but do, do something that fosters unity as opposed to division. Yeah, that's good. I was going to say as, um, mission momentum this week is to have a conversation with someone about the gospel, just a conversation with someone about the gospel. It could be one of your coworkers that, you know, has a Christian background as well. It could be someone that you're sitting next to at mass on Sunday could be your spouse, could be one of your kids, but just have in your disposition, uh, like um, rather have a disposition that is looking to present the gospel and discuss the gospel at least one time this week, because it's in that that's what we agree on. Let's get back to the, the heart of the matter so that all the other things can begin to fall in their right place. And that's awesome. 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 Okay. So you've heard it here that, uh, why do people think that Catholics worship Mary? Well, because sometimes we've fallen into actions and things that might suggest that. Sometimes there might be a, a misunderstanding of what Catholics are saying when they say they love Mary. And we should even go to uh, our friends who have had disagreements in the past and see that there was a lot of unity around this particular topic. Again, if you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad to have you. I said this somewhat flippantly at the beginning, but we have a donor that's promised $10 for every subscriber that we get in this season of Beyond Damascus. And that that $10 is gonna go towards camperships to our flagship program, Catholic Youth Summer Camp, where kids come and they hear the gospel proclaimed and their lives are changed. And so if you wanna be a part of the mission here at Damascus, feel free to hit that subscribe button and also to share this episode with someone who also might hit that subscribe button because we want as many kids as possible to encounter the love of Jesus. Go out, carry the mission that we've been talking about here today, and we'll see you next week here on Beyond Damascus. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.